Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of A Soul's Quest. I'm your hostess with the mostess. Uh-oh. That's so yeah. corny. Yeah. Jesse, this is my co-host Omar, and we have a very special guest today. Yes, we Mike do. Mike Sancho. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you. I'm excited, man. This is We're cool. We're super it's happy funny, to have you here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We cheated and got started in advance, so now we have to start over. Look, it's it's, okay. it's it's a show. It's like you have to be natural. I mean, like the reality right. is that it's like a, have a good time. Yeah, it's like live a little. Yeah, yeah. live a little. Let's well, right. Mike likes to live a little. Yeah, yeah, he likes to live a lot. He likes to live a lot. I like that about you. <laughs> I love that about you because I hear the stories about you from Omar. Like you know, when you guys conversate and whatever, and I hear about your adventures, and I'm like. That's what I want to do. I want to do this. It's, it's only recent, but it's awesome. Still, yes, still. yes, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. If I look back at it, I would have done this thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. But don't say what it is yet. We're no, not there. No, okay, no, no. all right. Don't spoil the fun. You guys no. got to wait. Yeah. yeah. There so, you go. <laughs> so Mike, I personally known you. You've been my 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 coach, my brother for a while, um, um, in 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 our past lifetime. <laughs> Boom! Won't go into any words no, on that. No, no, no. leave uh, that alone. Leave that alone. Okay. Um, but you know, I know a lot about you. Um, but obviously, the re- one of the reasons why I am I wanted you to be a part of this is because I, 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 knowing you as a person and knowing you how how you live your life, and 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 those things are are the epitome or what we're looking for in a soul's quester, you know? Oh, I thought you were going in a whole different direction, but yeah, okay, I'm comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know how about, you see, this is, this is why Jason got to ask most of the questions because you know me right. too well. Yeah. <laughs> you oh. know where my head goes sometimes. Yeah. But, oh. but, but, but really, um, uh, the, one of the main reasons why we wanted you to have, wanted to have you here is because um, you symbolize that. Uh, and not so much in the way that, in, in the theory of what we're talking about, but I've seen it firsthand, you know, and I've seen um, um, what you have done for myself and, and, and for others. And I think this is something that, that your journey and quest is something that really I think is cool uh, to share with the audience. So this is thank you so much for coming. We yeah, really appreciate definitely. it. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, yeah. We're, it's an yeah. honor, really. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, wow. let's go ahead. and what? Wow, man. Yeah. I feel special. Well, hey. You are special. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a... Uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Absolutely. All right. Go ahead. So, well, so basically what we do is we, we want to start with just kind of like getting to know you. So just kind getting of introduce to us to who. <laughs> getting to know all about you. <laughs> I was going to do a violin, but no. Okay. Um, so we want to start as Mike as a little boy. <laughs> What was Mike like as a little boy? We want to know like what your family structure was like, you know, your parents, brothers, sisters, yeah. things like that. Well, as a little boy, I had hair. Uh, <laughs> did we all? Start with I that. did call him out on that one when he first got here. But, I'm sorry. But my hair was the old bold haircut. It was that round haircut. So, no, as, as th- that's true. That was my haircut, mm-hmm. actually. But uh, I'm the youngest of five brothers. Okay. Uh, five, huh? Yep. Five brothers, no sisters. Okay. Uh it, it was a evil childhood mm. as well as a good childhood. 
It was, okay. It was evil versus good always. So, uh, my parents divorced when I was three. My father, my biological father, passed away when I was around seven. Oh wow! Okay. I don't know much about him. If he walked in front of me today, mm-hmm. I wouldn't recognize him. I, I don't right. know anything. I think there's one picture in my house somewhere in a in a box. Oh wow! wow. From their wedding. Okay. Okay. So you, you're talking the fifties, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna move this up so we okay. can get you. Yeah, we need yeah. to hear you. Oh, okay. I can yeah, tell this am, is gonna I'm, be a good story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you and go. So my mom was someone who never wanted responsibility. And she was the princess. So her growing up, it was just her and my uncle who was, you know, both my mom and my uncle deceased. But, you know, everything was done for her. And so whenever she got in trouble, my grandparents stepped in and did all that. Okay. So when she had kids, it was very simple. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment on 179th Street in Jamaica, Queens. Wow. Okay. Five boys. right? Seven people, one-bedroom apartment. Wow. But my grandparents lived in a house in the middle of the street, up the block. Oh, wow. Okay. So what would happen is the youngest ones, the three youngest were go up the street to grandma, grandpa. So, you know, she didn't want to change diapers, none of that stuff. And so my grandmother really was raising us. Okay. Mm, okay. And then my, my two older brothers were uh, in the early teens at the time. Mm. Uh, so what happened is at some point in time, once they divorced, we were shipped to go live with my grandparents oh, okay. in upstate New York, about 75 miles north of, of Manhattan. Mm. Okay, and, and it was not pleasant. Uh, my grandparents were abusive. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, they would physically beat us every day. Wow. Okay, and then at some point after my father passed away, my grandparents actually legally adopted us for right. the purpose of getting his social security check. Because mm. if you survived, you you know. Yeah. Let me let me ask you a question because um, um, uh, we share some personal stuff uh, on uh, in our conversations. As a child, um, um, going through not having your your, your parents, uh, the abuse with your grandparents, and 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 having that instability uh, at such a young age, when you look back, when you look at at that at that Mike who's a child, what what was going through your mind? I, I didn't understand what was happening, right? I, one story that I always remember is, uh, so my grandparents were building this house in upstate New York, and my dad came to get me mm-hmm. and wanted to go to a Yankees game. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I want to go see the house. And to this day, I regret that, because mm-hmm. that would have been that moment, just he and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know better. You know, I was three, four years old. Yeah. What did I know? I yeah. mean, yeah. you know. I'm getting hit, but I didn't understand why. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was always thinking I did something wrong. That's why I got I got hit. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's funny. My wife always says, well, there was things they had to raise kids. I was like, well, there's a difference. Like, I always tell my wife this. If she went into her refrigerator as a kid and ate between meals, mm-hmm. she got spanked because there was eight kids, two parents in Puerto Rico, and that was somebody's dinner. Yeah. 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 That's a whole different story. My grandparents were upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Right. They had money. My grandfather would buy a brand new Cadillac cash every two years. Mm. He had money. Yeah. It's all we, about the right. context. Though. If I open the refrigerator, if he said to me, Michael, make me a sandwich. And I go open the refrigerator, make him a sandwich. I would get beat for not asking him permission to open the refrigerator. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. told me to make you a sandwich. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's those type of things. I mean, it was every day we got beat. And if there wasn't a reason in his mind, it was, and my grandmother was the same thing. Everybody thinks this little old lady, no, she was more evil than him. Mm-hmm. And everyone <laughs> thinks, wow, you know, it, it was just him. No. And, and if there was no reason, right? he said, I know you did something I didn't catch. Okay. Wow. Now, yeah. wh- what was their background? What was their? That's what I was just going to oh, ask. Okay. Where are they? Where yeah. were they from? Like, is uh, everybody in your? You're all Puerto Rican. You're no. Like- actually, my my biological father. This is going to be a shock to some people. Is Italian. Oh, oh. okay. Yeah, that's why I get I got the white look. Uh, <laughs> no, I, yeah. <laughs> but but in Puerto Rico they call it la mancha, right? La mancha, you know? la mancha. <laughs> you know, tengo la mancha. But, oh but, my god! Yeah. Go ahead. But yeah, but it's but you're, you're right. No, you're it's right. true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so. Uh, so, you know, just as a kid, I, I didn't recognize. But yeah. as I got older, I was like, wow, what is going on? And my mom always lived nearby. Mm-hmm. So we moved to upstate New York, Huckleberry Turnpike. She lived down the street on Huckleberry Turnpike. At mm. one point, she lived the house next to us. Really? Mm-hmm. She just one, never resided in the same uh, place no, with you. Because no, she didn't want the responsibility. At one point, we, you know, we had 10 acres of land. They put a small house in the backyard, and she lived in a small house. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Right? But yeah. that happened when I was in my... Teenage years. So, so then going back to your to your grandparents, what was their background? What, what, what where did they come from? Why, why would you think they were so aggressive at that time? Uh, one, one, my grandfather was physically abused by his father. Okay, so that's where it came from. Okay, I don't know where it came from with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. I know they were in a miserable marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, they slept in separate bedrooms, and and uh, you know, I, I call people Lucy, joking around, because my grandfather had an affair with our next door neighbor, Lucy. Oh. Right? And, oh. you know, she wouldn't divorce him. You didn't do that back no. then. No. But, you know, they weren't happy. And my grandfather was physically abused by his father mm-hmm. growing up. So, you know, it, it's systematic, right? It's, it's you do what you... Yeah. What you know. What you've known, right? Yeah. Uh, my cousin says it best. If he was sitting here, he would describe it as, well, they were, they grew up during... The, the depression, they're depression parents. Mm-hmm. So you had a, you know, a tight line. You had to keep everybody in, in, in order. Yeah. And the only way to do that was physically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, and their I'm, mindset right. didn't shift obviously, because right. you said they were upper middle class, right? right? Upper middle. So obviously right. there was a mindset that they had established yeah. and didn't navigate from that. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that doesn't take yeah. away from, from what happened and the pain of it, No, of course. Not. but it kind of like gives a perspective of that continual, um, a process that is passed down generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point because as we get more into your journey, I, I, I want to know what made you shift away from that. But well, we'll talk about yeah, that a little yeah. bit later. Yeah. But, but, you know, as a kid, you know, when they talk about low self-esteem, mm-hmm. I had no self-esteem. I was just going to ask you, well, how did that affect you? Like mentally, like how oh, were you? So did you yeah, have friends? Oh, so remember I said it was evil and good, right? Right. Okay. Our right. friends were phenomenal. Okay. I mean, we played sports, you know, so we, we had to do things. We had chores. Right. Everybody has chores, but we had like over the top chores. Right. So my grandfather loved chickens and animals right. and birds. So we had to go take care of his chickens and birds and all this stuff. <laughs> but it wasn't like he used them to eat. He just grew and gave them to people. And that was it. Mm-hmm. But he never took care of them. That's his hobby. But we had to do it. Mm-hmm. But like the abuse included, uh, we weren't allowed to take a bath or shower but once a week oh oh wow really you know so before going to school we had to go chicken coop take care of these animals and then it became chickens it became rabbits it became pigs it became goats 
you know, sometimes all at once, sometimes it just shifted. Yeah. Uh, and we had to go do these things. So 10 acres of land, even at the age of like six was when I, I think it was first grade when I moved up there, mm-hmm. we cleared 10 acres of land by hand. Oh, wow. With axes and machetes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Old and school. We, and then we had a big bonfire and burned it and everything. And then when we were done, we were allowed to go play. So we would go play baseball for whatever sports season it was. We would go mm-hmm. hang out with our friends who, like I said, were awesome. And they knew what we were going through. But we had to be home sitting at the dinner table at 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Not 5, yeah. 5 p.m. in one second. Right. Uh, if we were one second late, we were beaten. We were sent to our room. And that meal stood on the table. And that's what we had for breakfast. It, they didn't refrigerate it. It, it stood left there. Out. And you had to eat that for breakfast. Wow. I mean, I, there's, there's a ton of, of things of that nature. So I mm-hmm. had no self-esteem growing up. And I'm, I'm going to shock you, Jesse. He knows <laughs> this. I used to stutter and I used to mumble. Yeah. And I, I was, I was <laughs> a big introvert. Really? I was content. I could sit in that corner and just chill and yeah. just have a moment and, and not. I didn't like talking to people. Very shy, very, you know, scared, timid. And wow. you, you look at me and be like, yeah. oh, no. no way. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. No. Yeah. The mic I know. Uh-uh. Yeah. So th- wow. that was, that was the results of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and I have my two brothers have issues. Really? Like, uh, so I'm the youngest. Mm-hmm. My brother Joe's a year older than me. Mm-hmm. My brother Frank's a year older than him. And we're the three youngest. Mm-hmm. One, two, three in age. My brother Frank was grandma's boy. Yeah. He was grandma's boy. She took care of him. So he got less beatings. Mm-hmm. My brother Joe was vocal and like tried to always fight back. Right. And so he got not only his beatings, he got Frankie's share of the beatings. Yeah. And then he had a big mouth. Oh. Like he was like, he, he would tell my grandfather, one day I'm going to be bigger than you. I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> oh my God. So I mean, the as rebel. an eight year old. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was the rebel. He was, he was the rebel. Yeah, and definitely. Then, and then I followed Joe. I wasn't a rebel, but I would follow behind him. And mm-hmm. so I would get whippings too. Yeah. But I was also asthmatic. So when I never had any asthma medicine as a kid. Mm. No, we yeah. didn't go to the doctor. We didn't go to the dentist. Yeah. None of that. If I had an asthma attack, I would have to walk a mile to my friend Ping's house and borrow his asthma pump. Oh my gosh. Now, I'm having an asthma attack. I've got to, I got to walk. Wow. You know, things of that nature. So it was all of that type of stuff, you know? Mm. So to this day, hmm. I say my brother Joe belongs on a black sofa once a week. He needs mental therapy because if you dis like when I talk to him, I'm, I don't try to have any debates or mm-hmm. talk politics. And he's a Mets fan. I'm a Yankee fan. We don't get into it. Nah. Because it was a point of our lives. We didn't speak for three years. Oh, wow. Because he came to my house when I brought my first home. He pulled a practical joke. And I was like, you got to go. Magnus pissed. You got to go. Get out. Right. And he was like, yo, after all we've been through, you're going to kick me out of your house? He didn't talk to me for three years. He didn't yeah. show up at my wedding. The only reason oh. he talked to me because my son was born and he was like, his wife reached out to me and said, Joe said, you better call him when, when your son is born. I was yeah. like, absolutely, I'll call him. And that, yeah. that would, you know, brought us back together. Mm-hmm. But he takes anything as an affront, right? We've been through so much that we stick together no matter what, no matter what yeah. Yeah. type thing. And so my brother Frank, I mean, can't hold a job. Uh, I mean... Uh, his appearance is is disheveled. He mm. looks like he's eighty years old. Wow, he's only three years older than me. Yeah. He's a hot mess. He's dirt poor, broke, mm. uh, living in the house we grew up in that they don't own anymore. It's under foreclosure, but because of the pandemic, they can't kick him out. They can't. Yeah, they can't go wow. anywhere. 
Yeah. So it's 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 had a negative effect right. on on a lot of you, the whole family. The, yeah, even, the entire even family. My one brother John, who you know he's handicapped. He was born with uh, elephant man's disease, mm. neurofibromatosis. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he had tumors on his eye. He doesn't have an eye, a right eye. Yeah. He's you know living like a like a a, a squatter. Right. Yeah. I mean, poor doesn't have cell phone. You know they don't have mm. AC right now and big heat wave in New mm-hmm. York. And and it's that whole mental effect of it, yeah. you know, that my oldest brother also went through it, but he was older and, you know, he did have our dad and was able to get away, but he did get abused as well. Yeah. He and I talk every day and, yeah. you know, we I learned so much every day about what he went through and he learns even more. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was last week he, he found out for the first time we were not allowed to bathe but once a week. Yeah. He's like, I never knew that. Really? He was like, when I came home from the Navy, I would have stepped in. Wow. It's like, wow, I thought Correct. you knew, you yeah. know, but yeah. he's normal. Yeah. Right. Uh, quote unquote, can, right? Quote unquote. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm normal. Yeah. Quote unquote. yeah. yeah. But the, the three other ones are like, wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah I mean, it's interesting because it, it's affected every single one of you in different ways. Right. And, and, and there's different outcomes. Um, um, uh, from that trauma that happened before. Um, one, one thing that's interesting that I just wanted to, that I just, I don't know, I assimilate with it because my, when I did my interview and I shared, uh, parts of my childhood, um, my brother called me and he's like, I just finished listening to both parts of your interview now. And he's like, I didn't know that, you know, that this happened. And I didn't know that you were, you know, abused and like when, where, and I didn't, and it was interesting because I'm like, but you knew this. I mean, you were there. He's like, I don't remember that experience, that uh, the, the loss of our aunt. I don't remember her funeral. And it's just interesting how there's different, even though you were together, you guys have different perspectives about what happened and how you respond. Right. Your responses to that are different, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. And in my case, I was lucky I had a mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's what got me out of it. That's and we'll, we'll, at some point talking yeah, about that, yeah, right? But yeah. that's what really made the difference in my life. Right. Okay. Uh, so, I, I, I as you segued from, uh, uh, how, and how old were you when all, when all this was going on? Well, I moved to upstate New York, like five or six, first grade, mm-hmm. six years old, but and then it was ongoing. And so, as we became teenagers, it got mm-hmm. even worse because at some point, my brother Frank graduates from high school, goes to the army. Now, it's one third a, of the whoopings that I used to get, I'm now getting two thirds. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting fifty percent of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I went from from thirty three percent of the whoopings to fifty yeah, percent. Like, yeah. that's. I mean, you know, you want growth, but not like no, that. No, 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 <laughs> no. Right? Not I'm, like, th- I'm like, hey, wait, wait, not, a minute, not in beatings, not in beatings, not in beatings. And then my brother Joe got kicked out of the house. Oh, and, and this is, and, and if there's going to be a point I cry, it would be this one. Mm-hmm. I sat there, couldn't do anything. And my grandfather, so so, the dynamic where we grew up, and you know this from the Bronx, mm-hmm. is that upstate New York was where Puerto Ricans migrated to, right, to have a better education system. Okay, but mm-hmm. the breadwinner stood in the city during the week and went home on the weekends. Oh, mm-hmm. So my grandfather okay. really wasn't there. Everybody was like, "Wow, your grandfather was." Uh, well, he was home on weekends. Yeah, it was my grandmother, and I remember we were going to go to a high school basketball game, and my grandmother turned around and said, "No." And so our friends called him on the way to pick us up. And my brother Joe's on the phone and says, we can't go. And they asked him why. And he said, because she's a bitch. My mother, my grandmother, and my brother, the one with the one eye, came and physically, I mean, punching him, beat him until his face was a bloody mess. Wow. Wow. Kicked him out the house, went and brought him back when my grandfather came 
on the weekend and he got beat again. I, I'm not talking about like beatings with the belt in the hand. I mean like physical, like they yeah. whooped his behind like a street fight. Yeah. Wow. And I'm like, wow. And, and then, you know, I, I had to sit there because like, what yep. was I going to do? I was yeah. this skinny hundred, yeah. two pound kid, you right. know, I mean, as a teenager, like, right. I could step in. I'm not going to get my behind whooped. Yeah. You know, but, and you know, you know, it's interesting that uh, a lot of people will listen to that story and, and, and make it feel like is, oh, that's, that seems like it's out there. And, and it's not, oh. it, it's something that, that, that people live in their own flesh. And it happens more often than we truly talk about oh. and realize, particularly in our culture, particularly yeah. in the Spanish culture. Right. Um, and, and we think that that's, that's, oh, that's just the way that we are, but it's not, it's very damaging. You oh, know, yeah. and my aunt. Uh, she lives in Tampa, man. Love that woman to death. You know, uh, she, you know, she always, when she was around, it was great. Because right. when they came to visit, it's like my uncle didn't put up with that nonsense. You're not going to touch them kids. Really? He had five kids of his own. Yeah. You know, he's struggling to make, make ends meet, you yeah. know. Uh, but my aunt was not playing it, you know, type thing. And, and love Titi Armin. I mean, she yeah. was like, when she was around, everything was good. Yeah. It was like, life was great. It was, and, and don't get me wrong, like, Growing up, ten years we had a go kart, brand new yeah. Sears go kart, double seater. You know, we had stuff, <laughs> right. but it was like at what expense? At what yeah. expense? Right? Correct. So, so when you look at at those type of things, I mean, going and I was telling our friend Craig, you know, like we can go on Huckleberry Turnpike, go to the end of Huckleberry Turnpike, like a thirty minute uh, walk or bike ride. Mm. There were caves. We would go play in caves. Right. I mean, we lived across the street from a gravel pit where we went sleigh riding, <laughs> like nice. uh, tobogganing. It's upstate I mean, New York. Yeah. We played, we played yeah. ice football. We played tackle football yep. on, on the frozen ice because oh, yep. we had a creek that ran through our property. Oh, oh, wow. Like, like we had cool stuff and yeah. we all play sports, you know? And so it wasn't all that bad. It was just like, we lived to get to the next day. To the next day. Yeah. lived to i can you know i never missed a day of school i wasn't staying home with them folks nah, <laughs> no. right? but but it was live get to school uh -huh. in the summertime live to go play right right so do everything i remember one time uh it's a funny story my grandfather would drink black coffee with anisette which is a sugary I mm -hmm. liquid. okay mm -hmm. i was gonna yeah. ask if that was yeah. a sugar yeah. okay. sugary liquor, Spanish, right? right okay so the first time he sends me to go get coffee and he says don't forget the anisette I go to my brother, Joe. What is that? He goes, it's the plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, no. I go, he said Anisette. He was like, no, he meant Alka-Seltzer. Oh. I go, oh, man. And I put Alka-Seltzer in his coffee. Yeah. Oh, I hand gosh. it to my grandfather, who looks at it, and it's fizzing. It's, it's doing its thing. <laughs> he drinks it anyway, and it's nasty. And he broke the coffee mug over my head. Oh, oh wow. Gosh. And my brother, Joe's behind me, like, laughing, but also disappointed that he, that happened to me yeah. because of him because yeah but it was okay. funny to him but he was like he felt real bad yeah but you know and and i always remember this mm -hmm. in our garage so you, you had the foundation was built and then it was like a ledge oh sorry there was a ledge uh -huh. and there was a can of lye that sat on the ledge yeah uh -huh. along with a bunch of other things but always it was within eyesight of when you walked in right and then you walked through the garage door to get in the house it right. was right there yeah and every day I thought about taking a teaspoon and putting it in his coffee. Oh. Every day. Yeah. Wow. And I don't know why I never did it. And then the funny thing was my brother Joe 
recently, like a couple of years ago, was at my house and he was talking about that. And he goes, you know, hey, Michael, remember that candle light? I always just want to put some in Grandpa's face. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to do the same thing. I was like, I'm glad we never talked about it. We would have been the Menendez brothers. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. No, no. I mean, it's I mean, true, it though. Was, yeah. You know, uh, I remember when my father passed away. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about evil. It took us an hour and a half to get to Queens. And we were only allowed to be at the funeral for 20 minutes. Wow. Really? Yep. Yep. They, he, they can only stay for 20 minutes. Wow. Like our father died. Mm-hmm. Right. So I remember those things. So my dad was dirt poor. He would save his money. He had visitation rights once a month. Right. One, wow. Once a month. He would take three trains from Jamaica, Queens to uh, Grand Central Station, mm-hmm. hop on the short line bus, mm-hmm. get off in Newburgh. His cousin would charge him $20 for the 20 mile drive to Platico mm-hmm. and drop him off at the corner store. He would walk the three miles up Huckleberry Turnpike. And then we had our own private road called Sancho Lane. That was oh, <laughs> wow. It was just a long driveway. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and no matter the weather, he was not allowed in the house. Oh, wow. He was not allowed to ask for water, use the bathroom, nothing. And so in the wintertime, if it was too cold, he would do this journey, which would take him all day long. He would take this journey, save his money, and if it was too cold, he was told, you only get five minutes because it's too cold and they're going to get sick. Right. Because he had wasn't to go allowed in the house. In the house, you yeah. had to go outside, right. We had to go outside. With, oh, if it wow. rained, they can't go outside. It's raining. They will get sick. Wow. wow. I mean, if, if it was, oh. it's too hot. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you just had us clear an acre of land yeah. with machete and axes and burned the, the, yeah. the wood, but it's too hot. Yeah. And they would do everything to limit. And, and the verbal abuse. Like you, you're stupid like your dad, or you're gonna be a bum like your dad. You know, my, my dad did, you know, some things. He been in jail. You're gonna be in jail like your dad. You're gonna yeah. be all that along with abuse, and then you you see this man going through that. Yeah. And I was led to believe he was this evil guy, and he wasn't. Right. I mean, what he went through to come see us, even if it was, I mean, there was plenty of times it was just to peek through the door, yeah, and say hello. And say, I love you. Yeah. I remember those things. I mm-hmm. can't remember his face. I can't remember what he looks like. Wow. But I remember those things. Yeah. Right? And, and that was the, I've got to control you. I've mm-hmm. got to keep you, mm-hmm. you know, under my thumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so let um, me ask you this. Then I mean, uh, as uh, you're getting out into your teen years, more rebellious, your, your brother's out of the house, and then you have this conflicting and disappointing par- uh, dad, fi- uh, dad figure. In your life, I mean, you 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 have your grandfather who's abusive and evil and mean, and then you have your dad who's trying to be there but can't be there. Well, remember, he died when I was seven, and he died and, and right. he died young. Right. So, uh, how are you feeling right now uh, in regards to those those pivotal people in your life that are not setting an example for you? Well, luckily for me, my mom remarried. Oh, okay, when I was ten. Oh, okay, so Henio. He's, you know, I, he's my dad, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I didn't live with him till I was 16. Okay. But he was there. And dude was, uh, what was it? he's 6'4", 250 pounds. He looks like Jimmy Snooker. <laughs> I mean, he looked like the rest of the Jimmy really? Snooker. He was built like him, too. I mean, he could bench press 400 pounds. I mean, oh, dude. Wow. And when he was around, nobody messed with us. Yeah. Right? So, loved having him around. And then they built the house in the backyard, so now he's there. So, there was some buffers Mm -hmm. but he was an alcoholic so when he would get drunk in the evening Mm. he couldn't be there to defend so it was like wow i've got this guy 
it's awesome, but I didn't. And it was when I was 11 or 12, I walked. I took the wrong bus home from school. I got my behind whooped for that. Really? Mm-hmm. Didn't tell anybody. I'm going to Taramar Tennis Academy, and I'm going to ask for a job cutting grass because I'm going to work because yeah. I'm going to save money, and I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah. That was my thought process. So mm-hmm. I go, and I walk up to Tennis Academy, and the guy says to me, you know, I'm nervous. Can I help you? I said, I'm here to ask for a job. He goes, how old are you? He goes, I can't give you a job. That's illegal. Oh. I said, oh, man, well, I need a job. I just want to cut your grass. I'll cut your grass. Right. And he goes, come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know his name or anything. I come back the next day. And, th- and then he became my mentor. Bob Davis is my mentor to this day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if I have something I need information on or thought process, I reach out to him. Wow. Right? Okay. Uh, over time, we've, we've, you know, distance has separated us, but... I walk up uh-huh. and there's a can of an empty uh, Coca-Cola can on the driveway. And I walk right past it. And he mm-hmm. goes, hey, uh, you're not going to pick that up? I was like, I didn't put it in there. It's not mine. <laughs> and he was like, well, I was going to give you the job. Congrats. You could leave. <laughs> I was like, if that's your attitude. Yeah, I'm out of here. Right? right. And I start leaving. And he calls me back. He goes, you're going to give up that easy? And I go, huh? And he goes, I put that down on purpose to see if you would pick it up. Right. And then we started talking, and he uh-huh. said, I can't give you a job, but I'll teach you how to play tennis. Cut my grass. I was like, okay, I can Perfect. do that. And that's how it started. And uh-huh. he gave me, he did the greatest thing for me ever, right? So his 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 uh, then wife, Mary, uh-huh. I call her mom number two. Okay. I started, hey, mom number two, how are you? His daughters are my sisters. Right. Right? Because I grew up with them at uh-huh. that point. So, uh he gave me an old tape recorder one day with a microphone. And he says, dude, you don't know how to talk. I'm <laughs> like, huh? He goes, you study your mumble. I can barely hear you. I just want you to talk into this thing mm-hmm. and fill the tape and then play it back. Huh. And it was embarrassing to listen to myself. Wow. He taught me how to talk. Mm-hmm. He taught me how to pronu- uh, pronounce words. And, and it was Bob and, and his wife and mm-hmm. his daughters that really helped me. And that's how... I was able to overcome it. So I was, yeah. but when I became legal age to work, I got a paycheck. So you were, how old were you when you met him? 11 or 12. 12. Okay. Maybe 13. Okay. Just making right. sure. Okay. Now, now let me ask a question about that because this always interests me, right? As a, as a young person going through all this trauma, going through all these issues, this uncertainties, instability, you still have the wherewithal to say, I want to get out of here. What do you attribute that to? I don't know. I just know that getting my ass kicked every day for no reason uh-huh. didn't feel right. Yeah. I mean, is that simple? I think it was right? probably just that alone. Just like, like, I can't do this no more. I see yeah. my friends. They don't go through that. I I, I see different things, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, but, intuitively, but, it's like, just just doesn't feel right. Yeah. 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 But the, the, the thing that it's that, that, that I, I bet I appreciate so much about you as a person is what you mentioned before, that a lot of your brothers didn't feel the same way. I, they did feel the same way about getting out. But they didn't take the action like you did. Right. I mean, it, it just, at some point, well, my brother Joe did by mm-hmm. fighting back. He was Correct. like, yeah. I remember my grandfather's funeral. My titi sends me and my cousin Edward the same age mm-hmm. in there. To make sure he doesn't flip the coffin. And he was about to flip the coffin. Oh. You know. Wow. Uh, but he was, he was that. Uh, my process is I'm going to fight back. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you. Right. Thing, type right. thing. But it's it's cool to see how much character. Out of all that darkness. And of mm-hmm. all that. How much your, your your character developed. To to want something different. And see something different. 
You know, that's something that's really uh, amazing that 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 within yourself that came about uh, out of such a greedy, uh, not pleasant situation. But th but there was other people involved, mm -hmm. you know, or so on the left side. No, of don't was, minimize yourself. Don't no, minimize no, 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 yourself. No, no, but 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 I'm I'm saying I was able to have that thought process uh -huh. because when you like Lucy lived on the left, that's who we had the affair with. Uh -huh. On the right side was you know uh, our friends Chichi, Chino, Johnny, Adam, David. Five siblings, you know, mm -hmm. four brothers, one yeah. sister, their mom, mm. right? So, so Anna was like that surrogate mother, mm -hmm. you know, and and so she would, you know, tell my grandfather stop hitting him. If she was around, she would stop him. You know, those yeah. type. She would talk to us. Mm -hmm. You know, she would always pull me aside and my brother Joe, you know, mm -hmm. and do those type of things. Mm -hmm. And the funny story is, my mom went and had an affair with her husband. <laughs> I mean, it's a whole messed up, whole messed up thing. Right? Don't wait, there's more. Yeah. So, so, but she was, you know that type of person that would just be there for us. I remember uh, Carmen and Louis Torres that were family friends. Like when they were around, nothing mm -hmm. happened, mm -hmm. you know? So you would see other people and you would see their kids and it was like, wow, I, I could, I could do that. Right. Okay. So you were motivated that. by these other people. Excellent. Right. Yeah. And so it, I'm not minimizing myself. It's just, I got to give them credit that they right. took the time to talk to and, me. And mm -hmm. also I think that I'm, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but that attributes like your, your, your disposition or, or your character, because a lot of people are in, in that sort of like darkness and that they experience this and they don't, they just see like doom and gloom, but you were able to see these other people and, right. and, and have relationships with these people and say, I want that. I want to get out of that. Mm -hmm. I can do this. I can, not everybody yeah. thinks that way. And, and at the time, probably not. That's not my thought process. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just live. Yeah. I mean, literally, it was like, stay alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Type thing. And, and, you know, don't have an asthma attack. Yeah. <laughs> and then, right. You know, and, and, and the cool thing is that you had, uh, uh, that's the, the beauty of how significant people's lives are. Right. Because even with you feeling and going to a home that felt like that, there were people that took the time to be nice and take care of you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the beauty of a, of an individual taking action, um, even if it's small actions. And look how how he paid he paid you off for you. But at the end of the day, no matter what, it's always about community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. So these that's the community, right? So yeah. there's always you know the old lady on the block. There's always someone that's yes. the glue. Uh -huh. Yeah. And and I live for those moments. You yeah. know To to be around those people because. I knew at that moment in time, I couldn't get hit. Yeah. Right. You can't beat me. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I knew that. Yeah. You know, even at the like, age of eight, I, I understood that, uh -huh. you know. So, like, if I heard the doorbell, I'm running to go answer the door because there's somebody there. I can't get beat at this moment in time if somebody else is here. Right. Yeah. So, you know, but it, it was community. It was, you know, we, their parents were, you know, their kids were our friends. Yeah. Friends. You know, they yeah. saw what we were going through. They, yeah. they, do those things. I'm, you know, the guy gave me the asthma bump. Bing. I remember him in high school being the first person to give me deodorant. Oh, wow. Like, wow. You know, he pulled me aside. He was like, Michael, you got a body odor. Yeah. Just, just, just little things. Yeah. Little things, you know. So, yeah. yeah. So after meeting Mr. Davis, right. Right. Um, you, you, you got in, introduced to, uh, to tennis. Yeah. And now you're becoming a, a young man. You're transitioning from that uh, that, that stage of dependency and childhood, right. becoming a young man. How how was that transition with tennis, Mr. Davis, and then you actually transforming into a young man? Wow, I mean, that, that if I could do it all over again, I would love to do that all over again and just experience it one more time. It was awesome because you know Althea Gibson, who's the first 
African American in history to win Wimbledon. Be ranked number one in the world. Taught me how to hit an overhead smash. Wow. Althea Gibson. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. So I had an overhead and I was aggressive with it. And she was like, hey, Mike, I mean, you got hops. Get up there and go get it. Yeah. That was her advice to me. Wow. And I went, she goes, no, kill it. Yeah, like, that's like hit Ser- it hard. Take your anger out on it. That's like Serena Williams Thank you. teaching you yes. to, to play tennis at like, right now. Althea wow. Gibson. I'm like, I meet Arthur Ashe. Wow. I wound up going to work for Arthur Ashe. Did you really? Yeah, I worked for Arthur Ashe for like six years with his Safe Passage Foundation. That's how I got involved with Boys and Girls Clubs. Oh, wow. Okay. So so now I'm, I'm getting this side of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a little cocky now, too. No, 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 no. <laughs> now, no, no. I mean, tennis, I see my out. I literally right. see my out. Now my brother Joe's kicked out of the house. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm getting a paycheck. And I had to give my paycheck, sign it over, and give it to my grandparents. <laughs> and I never saw a dime of that money. Wow. Kept my money. So now they wanted you to work right. because you're bringing home money. Yes. Okay. Now, taking That's interesting. Money, right. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to put it in a bank account for you. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, I spent my money. Never saw thieves. that money. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now at some point I'm in the house by myself at the age of 16. Mm. Okay. And I can't deal. Mm. I just can't. I go to Bob and I say, hey, Bob, you got this tennis academy. It's, uh, you know, just before my 17th birthday, mm-hmm. uh, September. And I said, it's empty. Like, can I stay here? It was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'll lose, you know, my license. I can't do that. That's, no. It's like, damn. You know, what am I going to do? I knew I had to get out. Yeah. I just knew I had to get out of the house. Because now you're taking all the beatings. I'm taking all the beatings. All I'm the doing abuse. All, so, so I'm doing all the chores. Right. Going to school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going to tennis academy. No showers. No, at Tennis Academy, I showered. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> now, I had play, now I had to play shower. Uh, okay. <laughs> tennis Academy, okay. work, and then on the weekends, do the same thing, work, and come home. So, I'm, right. I'm, but it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still getting beat and all this. And I wasn't going to let that stop me. So I get with my friends, and I go to, to Alex Ceballero, and I said to his mom, I said, hey, can I stay here a couple of days? Yes. I go to Rolo and Al and go to their mom, uh, uh, Giselle and I say, hey, can I stay here a couple days? Yep. Uh, I go to uh, Bing, who lived a little further away, and I go to uh, Ita and, and Claudio. I say, can mm-hmm. I stay here a couple of days? So I map out, I'm going to be house hopping. Yeah. Right. Saturday, I go to work at Terramar Tennis Academy. I had this little moped, Honda, Honda scooter moped. Nice. Type thing. <laughs> I packed what I just needed. Right. Yeah. And I was, I was at that time getting uh, free clothing from Prince manufacturers through Bob. So I had a little spot at the tennis academy. I was putting clothes there. Yeah. I'd take a little bit here. Take a little bit here. So before you know it, all I had was a little bag that I put on the Honda scooter and left the scooter at the house. Wow. And walked to Taramar Tennis Academy, which was like an eight-mile walk. Yeah. Wow. All day, worked, tennis. I normally get home around four. Yeah. Four o'clock rolls around, no Michael. Hmm. Five o'clock rolls around, no Michael. Now, they don't send somebody to go, hmm. I was just going to say, no. what did they think about it? No, it's, it's when home? Michael walks through that door, we're going to whip his ass, yeah. Okay. okay, gotcha. I walked in at 10 o'clock at night. Now, my friend Bing had his station wagon. We had this 450-foot long driveway. Right. So he turned the lights off, parked halfway down, and he actually backed in so he could just haul ass. Because yeah. my grandfather was this big, mean dude, you know. Yeah. And I was like, just wait when you see the, you know, the headlights on my moped, mm-hmm. then we'll go. Right. And you just take off. Okay. So, okay. So I didn't even take my moped. I walk in at 10 o'clock at night. And my grandma, where you been? My grandmother's yelling at me. No. And my grandfather sat in the one chair, you know, 
Everybody's got their chair. He's yeah. sitting there. Yeah. I walk up to him, and she's yelling and screaming and about to get up. And I just say to her, be quiet. I'm not even talking to you. And I look at my grandfather, and I stick my hand out, and I say, thank you for everything. I'm moving out. <laughs> this wow. is the last time you will see me. Wow. And she says, kick his ass. How dare he talk to you that way? Who does he think he is? And I said, if you get up out of this chair, I will kill you. Wow. Wow. I will end your life right here. Wow. Thank you. I'm moving out. Wow. Shitting in my pants. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. scared. Yeah. I was this skinny. I was uh-huh. this little skinny yeah. kid. That's the bravest thing I've ever done outside of asking my wife to marry me. No. <laughs> and, and shaking, I couldn't ride the moped. I went downstairs, grabbed that bag, and ran out the garage and ran and banging on Bing's car, and he takes off. <laughs> and I'm yelling, hey, wait, wait for me. And then he slams on the brakes, and I jump in. He goes, what's the matter? Where's your bike? I said, Man, just go. Just go. Oh, my and gosh. And the first house I stood at was, was Rollo and Al's house in, in Newburgh. And I stood there, and I hopped around. Yeah. About a week goes by, and I still went to school. The first person I asked was my brother Joe. I said, hey, he lived up the street. I'm like, can I move in? I can't live there anymore. I'm moving out. And he goes, I, you can't. Mm. And I said, what? And he said, I, I can't force you to go to school. You need to finish school. Yeah. You're doing this whole tennis thing. Uh-huh. I won't be able to control you. I'm not your parent. You're not going to listen to me. Yeah. I don't even have electricity. This is not the place for you. Yeah. You know that. He goes, and he helped me figure out where to go. And, yeah. and maybe a week or two, I don't remember the, the timing. The only person outside of my brother, Joe, who ever saw me play tennis was my stepdad. Oh, wow. He walked into Taramar Tennis Academy into the bubble. He walked in on a Saturday, and I'm practicing, and I was shocked. And he and I had a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just blown away that he's there, and he's watching me play. He didn't say anything. He watched for maybe half an hour. Finally, Michael. And he goes, you're coming home with me today. Mm. I said, huh? What? He goes, this going place to place, that's no life. Yeah. Now, Henio dropped out of school in third grade in, in Puerto Rico because his father died. He had a... Uh, make money for the family. Yeah, and he was yeah. a big kid. Mm-hmm. You know, no yeah. education, can't read or write. Right. He can do numbers very well, and he could sign his name. But you know, uh, and here's a guy who can't read or write. Yeah. That knows this is not right. This is not okay. Yeah. Right. And and he goes. So when you finish, I'll be waiting. Wrap up. Get in the car now. I'm I'm nervous wreck. Nervous wreck. Gets home. It's five o'clock. How ironic is this, right? Five o'clock, we walk in the door. And my grandfather gets up and he says, sit. He just tells him to sit. And he says, this is how this works. Michael is my son. Michael is moving home with me today in my house. Nobody touches him. Oh, wow. He stays there as long as I want him to stay there. He finishes school. And he does whatever he wants to do at that point. No yeah. one touches him. No one bothers him. Wow. Now you have to deal with me. I was like, wow. And I moved into my mom's house. In the, in, the ba- house. in the backyard. Yeah, in the backyard. Yeah. In the backyard. Which, you know, you know this about me. I could have a little ego once in a while. Yeah. So I would, you know, on my bike or my car and walk past <laughs> my grandfather like, hey, how you doing? Like, you can't touch me now. <laughs> uh, but, awesome. but, but that, that, that was short-lived. Mm-hmm. That that was short lived because uh, that spring, you know, my mom says, "Where are you going to college?" 
And I'm like, I'm not. I'm turning pro. And it's like, what? There ain't no Puerto Rican tennis pros. What are you, yeah. stupid? Mm. You're an idiot. And my stepfather wasn't there. It was a Saturday and mm-hmm. he wasn't there. And she goes, Mm-mm. It, well, until you finish school, you got to pay rent now. Really? I'm like, whoa. You know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was like, yeah, whatever. And everything. I'll just wait till, you know, Henyo gets home and right. I'll tell Henyo, Henyo will take care of this. <laughs> yeah. right. And everything. And then, uh, you know, Henyo comes home drunk. Like, damn, man. You know, I'm like, oh. Yeah. And then, uh, I leave, and when I come back, I get into a fight with Henio. Oh, okay. Because my friend Louie, we went out. Louie had a Camaro. We had a gravel driveway. He just pulled off, and rocks went flying. Yeah. And yeah. here's Henio drunk, pair of underwear, yeah. this big dude poking his finger in my chest. Ugh. You and your friends, he's drunk. I'm yeah. like, oh, my goodness. I haul off, and I threw a Mike Tyson picture-perfect right hand. Bam! Huh. Turned it over, body weight and everything. Hit him square in his jaw, and his jaw did this. Nothing. Uh oh. And I felt like the cartoon characters where they break the pieces. <laughs> and he goes, "Because I was going to say you were skinny." And- yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right? And he goes, "Now what?" And I take off running. He chases me through the woods, barefoot, oh his underwear. Right now, I've got nowhere to go. I'm like, my mom's going to charge me rent and everything. So I just hang out. I just keep walking around town. On the, the you know the edges of society, so to speak. Yeah. And I come home after midnight, and I'm like, I'm asleep, and I'm out of here Sunday morning. I'm back to the tennis camp. I just got to make it through the night. Right. Five o'clock in the morning, I get up to get out of here. Yeah. I'm gonna get up super early and get to the tennis camp. You know, yeah. I got the keys, but yeah, I could show up at five, not three in the morning. Bob would know the alarm would go off at yeah. five. I could play that off. I'm up. I'm up on board early, and don't turn on any lights. I'm a mouse quiet open the refrigerator get my milk for some coffee hey son what are you doing up so early oh my he didn't remember anything oh really i was lucky i was like yes but you know i explained to him that that evening when i got home this 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 and he got into an argument with my mom and then my grandfather came over they threatened to throw him out oh really which in essence you know either if i stay there i'm gonna get beat again or yeah and i was like listen don't worry about it so I said, uh, I came to agreement. Mm-hmm. I would pay him rent. I had this agreement with him that he would take the money, and then later on in the day, he'd give it back to me. Yeah. So I would okay. pay $150 rent to Henio. And nobody's looking. He'd give him $150 back yeah. and everything, and, and got over. And then I graduated from high school. I'm out. And you're out. I'm gone. Yeah. Yep. Now now, I, now I'm staying at Tamar Tennis Academy, and I'm, I'm gone. And then life begins. Now, mom, at that time, mm-hmm. uh, she made the statement, there's no Puerto Rican... Tennis pros. Tennis pro. Tennis pro. Right. Like, how did that make you feel since you've been working so so much into getting into that? And we're going to get more into your tennis career, but having her say something like that to you at that moment, how did I mean, Man, it, I felt like, like shit. I mm-hmm. mean, it was the worst thing you could have said to me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at some point in the fall, I went by myself, my first trip ever by myself. I'm 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a kid. I don't yeah. know anything. I took two buses to get to the city and to Virginia, to mm-hmm. Richmond, Virginia, to attend the United States Professional Tennis Registry program to become a certified teaching pro. Yeah. Oh, wow. Without their help. Without their help. Bob yeah. helped me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Bob's mm-hmm. like, I'll get you in. I'll pay for you to get in. You got to go. Bob taught me how to teach tennis. Teaching. No, I'm, I'm going to be a teaching pro. No. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and, and you telling me this? Like, 
wow, like really? Right. You're supposed to be my mom. Correct. You know, type yeah. thing. And I just knew that, you know, that she was just, you know, no. she was just as evil as, as the rest of them. And you still persevere to all that. I had no choice. Like, how do you? Okay. How do no you? Choice. I and and I know. Yeah, I I see that. And but how do you like? And I guess this will probably come later. But you know, how do you like resolve that? I never did. You never did. Okay. I when she died, I was barely saying two words. There was hello, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Wow. And only because of my son. Wow. Like my son was born. It's not. I, I can't do that to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it was funny. Like. He, she would hold him. He would cry. Hmm. And you would hold him. Ah, the happiest kid in the world. Yeah. You see the difference. He could feel it as a baby. Mm-hmm. Like to this day, I've you know he knows the story. I've never said anything negative because that's not fair to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was my whole thing. And my whole thing was like, if I ever become a parent, I'm gonna do things different. I will break yeah. this cycle. Yeah. And I've actively talked to, to my cousin about that for years. You know. Yeah. Breaking the cycle. You know, type thing. But it. I, I had no choice to overcome it, but I did not like her, mm-hmm. despised her. Yeah. You know, uh, once I'm out, once I'm married and I've got my own house, my own life, you know, we visit and everything. And, and the few conversations I had, I would find new things out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, like I asked the point, like, why would you give us, I can never see myself giving my son up. Yeah. And, and I have a stepdaughter. I can never see myself giving my stepdaughter up. I can never do that. How, how could you do that? And she said, well, you have to understand I was protecting you guys. But what? You knew how abusive he was. He did it to your brother in front of you mm. growing up. Like, why? And, and her response finally was because I got a piece of property out of the deal. I said, what? She goes, that's how I got the house in the back wow. and everything. Wow. He would get the social security check from your dad. I'd, I'd get a house. You gave us, you traded us for a house. Like, I just turned around and walked out. Yeah. Turned around and walked out. Got in the car, went back to Jersey. Wow. Like, I, I, I can't have a conversation with you. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I would only go visit because of Henio and because Magda would insist. Yeah. Right. Also. You know? what, what about your other brothers? Did they stay in touch with her? Did they continue to visit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my brother Joe didn't, you know. Uh, and, and when he would, he would start an argument on purpose. Okay. Uh, and then it was funny, my brother Frank and her were always trying to, you know, be conniving and scheming to. So here's this 10 acres that when my grandparents died, it was supposed to be sold. I'm supposed to get 30%. Joe mm-hmm. gets 30%. Frankie gets 30%. Mm-hmm. Everybody else gets the remaining 10%. All the cash in the bank is split up between all the surviving grandchildren, great-grandchildren, right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. My mom gets the 10 acres in the house. And then my mom turned around and I wrote, because I was in computers at the time, mm-hmm. I got software and I did my grandparents' last will and testament. Mm. And then my mom went and had it changed and mm. had everything turned into her name. Wow. And then she took a reverse mortgage on it. And then when she wow. died and we lost the property and the whole nine. So the thing you gave us up for, you turned around and stole it from us. And stole yeah. it. Yeah. And ended up with nothing. Wow. Nothing. And it's funny, who who are the three that were not uh, trying to take advantage because my brother John always was always trying to get over too even with his mm-hmm. one eye they always took care of him and he took advantage of it mm-hmm. yeah. who are the three that own homes and on their own the, the, the ones that, that left of course the ones that left and didn't and the ones yeah. that stood and yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You know. Th- that says something really really cool about uh, not cool but interesting about human nature itself you know yeah. it's it's the sometimes we think that we if we continuously take even when the situations are bad 
uh, it works in our benefit. But in the long run, you know, the, the, the self-initiative, that desire to be you uh, out trumps all these other 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 things and it, it works it works better for you at the end and yeah. that's a that's a great thing about an individual in my opinion um because if you don't have that that self-reliance and if you don't believe in in what you're feeling internally you avoid those things then you become codependent right and and then you know i gotta give bob a ton of credit because we we would play he's the michael jordan of miss pac-man <laughs> i'm the lebron james one quarter could last me an hour on Miss Pac-Man, the old arcade game. He had it at the wow. Tennis Academy. He owned it, so we played for free. Love Pac-Man. We, we, we were bad. Miss <laughs> uh, Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man. Okay. Miss Pac-Man. But I played Pac-Man, and I right. loved it, yeah. so I can imagine. So Miss yeah. Pac-Man. So we would play, but it was times because we would spend hours playing, yeah. and it was like double or nothing, double or nothing, <laughs> right? And he would be talking to me, yeah. and he would you know, guide me. Like He taught me, you know, my, my favorite quote, what the mind of man can conceive and believe he can achieve. Yep. Bob taught me that mm -hmm. and he made me live by that, mm -hmm. you know, conceive of an idea. I can believe in it, work hard. You're going to achieve it. He was always in my ear mm -hmm. and he was always guiding me. Mm -hmm. and, and that, that was incredible for me because I had that person mm -hmm. that really cared. And he came from a, a, a loving place yeah. and he was really pushing me and he was really guiding me. And he put his foot in my butt when I was wrong, yeah. you know, too. And he, and he held yeah. me accountable. He fired me once. <laughs> That broke my heart, right? He wow. hired me back a week later, right? but he had to teach me a lesson. You know, but wow. those were all things that, wow, you know, yeah. he really pushed me and, and, and yeah. guided me. And it wasn't, I look back at it and it was never about tennis. No. It was about life. Mm -hmm. and, and him and Mary and, you know, those were the things that were were special. And, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. if not for him and his wife, I, I don't think I live. I no. really don't think I live. I, no. I, I, I that's, think that's pretty deep. I think God probably would have, you know, committed suicide or, or just would have been, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. I guarantee you I wouldn't be here having this interview. I'd be a bum somewhere like my brother. Right. Frank. No. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's something um, um, interesting that I kind of want to touch on um, because we are in a soul's quest and a lot of what we model goes into um the hero's journey right and and one of the hero's journeys is the the first part is the call to the adventure right and your call to the adventure was um expedited by the circumstances that you were in but you always uh I, 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 when you go in that cycle one of the most important things that happen is meeting a mentor right uh, a person that guides you and 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 and, and you had that that individual yeah um, what are some key points that you could, could share regarding that relationship and that and how that relationship kind of like helped you transform into the next stage of your life, which we want to, we want to talk about more in, in your professional career? I, I think it was just the time we spent together talking like you remember back then you're talking the 80s Friday night boxing. Yeah. Yeah. Or ABC sports. Uh huh. Saturday, Saturday boxing. Mm. <laughs> Bob boxed in the military. Okay. Now, a, a funny story is my grandfather was a gold medal AAU middleweight champion. Oh, wow. In the 20s. Really? And he could box. And my grandfather oh. taught me how to box. Oh. But Bob was boxed in the army. Loved boxing. Every Friday night at Bob's house. Watching the fights. <laughs> and it was just time to talk. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, just that time. He and I talking. No. You know, I didn't even realize he was going through a divorce. 
I didn't even know. Like Mary was never at the house. I was always there. I never questioned it. Yeah. Because it was me and him just talking. Yeah. And and that's that was the difference maker. That was yeah. the thing that really spurred me on. Right. I mean, he he, the first book I ever received on leadership. I was fifteen, and he handed me the book. Leadership Secrets from Attila the Hunt. <laughs> I still have the book, right? Yeah, you gave it to me. You let me read it too, yeah. yeah. Really? He gave me that book. He goes, and he told me, Michael, you're going to be a leader one day. I mean, he saw that in me. You know, he mm-hmm. saw things and, and he talked to me about it and he was like, here, yeah. you know? And, and, you know, as a kid going through all that, you know, I, I would tell stories. I would, you know, exaggerate things. I would lie. Yeah. Like, he would call me out on it. He was like, you got to stop doing that, yeah. you know? Uh, he was like, nope, there's a shower, no, you know, <laughs> yeah. type thing. I mean, it was those little things, yeah. and it was just him being consistent. I had someone who cared about me. Yeah. He saw things in you that you didn't even see in yourself. Yeah, exactly. Basically. That and no that, one else saw in that, that, that yeah, yeah, same, yeah. yeah. And it's like um, it, when you have somebody in your life like that, I can't because I I've never really had that experience. I know Omar has, so I I I I was very fortunate to meet Omar's mentor, and that was like a very it was a beautiful the, experience the for me. Cub Scout guy, right? Yes, Ken. Yeah. Boys, Ken. Boys, Ken. Whatever. Yeah, well, we we ran both. We so blows. You're right. We, we blows. blows. We no, you we blow. blow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Sorry, this is that. this is how we do. This is yeah. this I, is I what happens. This, this I, is what I happens. Know this. And you saw how natural it is. Yeah. It just. Yeah. Very you know, natural. He just goes from there. But I was very fortunate to meet him. And even in that moment, just meeting him and seeing Omar with his friends, you know, Danny and, and these guys that he was really close with, I could see how this man was so important to these boys and now adults. Like they revered this individual. And he sat there sick, you know, like very sick, you know, and, and, it was just a good experience. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, he made jokes. So how you putting up with this guy, Omar, you know, you too pretty for him, you know, all this different stuff. And I was just like, I can see how impactful this man was. So it sounds like this yeah. guy was the same in, in a lot of if ways. If I picked up the phone right now and called Bob, I can guarantee you before we get off the phone, he will tell me how proud he is of me. Hmm. He does it every time he goes, Michael, yeah. don't forget, we're so proud of you, man. That's a big he deal. He tells me, you know, it means the world. <clears throat> of mm-hmm. course. Like, I didn't know at the time you know, Christine Vogel was a young lady. He was uh, her tennis coach that he was mentoring. I didn't know that Ken Collins, Kenneth Collins, he and I are friends. You know, he's another, he played on the pro circuit. And, uh-huh. and wow. uh, you know, he's a, a tennis pro now. And, and yeah. like, I didn't realize Bob was mentoring him as well. You wow. know, he, <laughs> he was, as a kid, was burned in a fire, in a home court fire, oh, wow. you know, wow. type thing. But he went on to play tennis and, you know, college scholarship, played on the pro level, you know, those type of, Bob was mentoring those people as well. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it because yeah. he made me feel appreciated, unique, yeah, yeah, loved. Yeah. 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 So everything was very sort of like, and there wasn't any, he made you feel just as, um, the same way that he would make anybody else feel, basically, is what you're saying. Right. But, I mean, you know, and back then, I mean, you know, he was a dude's dude, you know. It yeah. was like, we, we had conversations, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. You know that uh, we get into, but yeah. things. I mean, like he would say things like, uh, "Never forget the first car I owned, Dodge Omni. I paid two hundred fifty dollars for it. <laughs> Bought it off a drunk guy at a bowling alley because it was leaking oil. I offered him two fifty on the spot. He gave it to me, signed the title over. I take it the next day, the oil pan plug was loose. Tightened it up, ran that car into the ground. It it broke down on a bridge. Uh-huh. I left it for three days. I came back. It was towed by the state police. I go pick it up." Driving it, uh, breaks down on me. I take it to the local mechanic, and alternator's gone, the battery. I really don't have any money. 
And the mechanic says, listen, Michael, this is a junk car. You know that? I go, yeah. And he goes, I'll give you $100 for it. Now, meanwhile, I drove it into the ground yeah. about a year. I paid two fifty for mm-hmm. it. And I was like, no, man. Uh-uh. One fifty. One fifty. He's like a hundred. I'm like, yo, one seventy five. Bob pulls me over and he goes, dude, you paid two fifty for it. He's gonna give you a hundred dollars cash. You got a hundred dollars in your pocket right now? I'm like, no. That's hilarious. And he goes, dude, I'm gonna teach you a lesson right now. And everything was like, I'm gonna teach you a lesson. Yeah. Right? Here's the lesson. Okay? You're gonna get away with a hundred bucks. Okay? Yeah. Do the math. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Learn the lesson. Will it cost you the least amount of money? Yes. He would always yeah. say that to me. Learn a lesson. Will it cost you the least amount of money? <laughs> right. So, I said, "All right, take the hundred dollars. Go back, give me the title." And the, the the story was, you know, get back to tennis academy because, what's what's the story? What did you learn? I was like, "Don't haggle over something that's junk. Take the money and run." He goes, "Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah." It was always those type of things with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. it, it's interesting because I want to now segue into your professional career. You know, okay. um, uh, we'll we'll have a we'll, we'll invite you back to have a conversation on relationship because yeah. uh, that's a that's a um, relationships uh, in terms of we'll bring them back there and, and you know talk to her and that's a relate that's a, uh, oh as, you mean yeah. love relationships oh, oh okay. yeah no I didn't know what you meant like I didn't that. know what you're referring to yeah so. um, but but I want to get into that aspect of of transitioning from that stage of tennis um how did your career end how uh, how did that go and how do you uh, and what did you do after after tennis okay so i I got a cool story on on my whole tennis thing so uh, i'm not going to college i'm going to be this teaching pro you know i'm gonna play tournaments i'm Mm -hmm. gonna do my thing and bob is working with arthur ash at the time and nick boletary and bradenton and they're going to bring minority tennis pros down to Boletary Tennis Academy, teach them the business side of tennis, mm-hmm. put them in different inner cities throughout the country mm. where they'll run tennis programs because Arthur's belief was, what if I got Michael Jordan on a tennis court before he went on a basketball court? It's a court? basketball court. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So the first class goes in. I wasn't part of it. Six-month program. I go in January. So I had to work like security, yeah. IBM, you know, mm-hmm. side jobs just to get to January. In January, I go to Boulder Terry's. I'm done. So part of the process is that they ask you, what city do you want to be placed in? When you're done with the program, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go to Honolulu. <laughs> and they're like, and now this, this is a, the, it, at first it was called ABC Tennis Project, mm-hmm. right? Ash, Boulder Terry, cities. Tennis project, oh, okay. ABC, mm-hmm. right? tennis mm-hmm. project. So I'm like, and, and Bob was like, come on, man. I was like, Bob, you can't tell me that there's no inner city kids in Hawaii, no. in Honolulu, right. or kids. Right. Right. You know, you know fair point. <laughs> so I'm at Bowling Terry's. I finished the program. I graduate. Uh, summertime, they're not set up yet. Yeah. Right. So I remember, you know, the mayor of Newark coming down to Bowling Terry's was playing doubles along with one of the, like, the, Political connectors and yeah. then the, the head of Department of Recreation, right. Ross Lightfoot, right. Sharp James, you know, and we're playing doubles. I got to let them win type thing. Uh, but I go to Beaver Dam, Wisconsin to mm. help Boletary run a summer camp up there that they have every year. And then yeah. I get back and I'm, I get back to Boletary Tennis Academy and I get called into the vice president's office, Ted Meekma. Uh. And he's a vice president. It's now IGM, IMG Tennis Academy. Uh-huh. And he's the president of IMG, vice president of IMG. He says, Michael, how's, how was it? I was like, 
he shoot the breeze. He goes, here's your plane ticket. You fly back to New, New Jersey tomorrow. <laughs> we rented a car for you. Huh. Get the rental car, drive back home. It's only like an hour, 15-minute drive. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you spend a week, and then you and Bob will go back to Newark, and we'll go from there. Perfect. And he goes, and we got new clothes for you, Nike. Got a duffel bag, Nike clothes. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, wow. so I'm nice. You know, I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, this is cool. I go home, week with Bob. I follow Bob to Newark. Mm-hmm. We get to City Hall. I got the rental car. Get there. The mayor greets us outside the City Hall. Mayor's bodyguard, which are police officers, detectives. And he mm-hmm. says, hey, I'll take the car for you. What do you mean? He goes, we're going to take it back to the airport for you. You got to go. Yeah. Get in the limo. I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. What are we right. doing? I get the mayor's limo. <laughs> right. I'm like, and I remember the mayor's like, hey, how are you talking? And we go to Westside Park in Newark. Yeah. TV crews out there, the, the trucks with the antennas. Like, hmm. Huh. I'm Uh-oh. clueless. <laughs> and they start this press conference. Yeah. And, you know, Arthur's there. Arthur, hey, Michael, how are you doing? We're talking. Good, you know. And I'm sitting up near the podium. You know, just in chairs, and everybody gets up and speaks. Mm. And then Arthur is the last yeah. one, and even Nick Terry's there. I'm like, what in the hell? They're announcing that they've signed an agreement with Newark, New Jersey, to run the ABC Tennis Project. Oh, okay. And the okay. city is funding the entire program. Oh, wow. wow. For one year. Really? Right? And wow. then we're sponsored by Nike. I'm like, Nike. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's why I had the free Nike clothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there in the Nike clothing. Now you like put it connected, connected the dots now. No, not really. Oh. I'm, just, I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to Honolulu. Oh. Because <laughs> they're, they're, the whole press conference, they're talking about we, the goal of the program, what I was told was train people like me mm-hmm. on the business side, let us go to our inner cities, mm-hmm. and then Arthur would come in, do fundraisers, yeah. clinics, the whole nine. No. The mayor decided, I want all of them to come to Newark. Oh. And it hits me. I'm like, oh. oh. And Ar- it hits me when <laughs> Arthur's speaking and he says, so we've signed this agreement. Uh, one of our first site directors is here with us, Mike Sancho. Oh. He's going to be running the site here, Westside Park. Okay. Which was a hellhole. I mean, oh, yeah. I was just going to ask, what year was this in Newark? Okay. No, no. This is 1988. Oh, yeah. Okay. 87. Wow. Press conference is happening. A crack addict <laughs> drops her jeans. So we're sitting here on this side of the tennis court. On the other side, drops her jeans and pees onto the <laughs> tennis court from behind the fence. That's, yeah, that's. In Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, and, New Jersey. And, and Arthur just finished yeah. saying that Michael's our site director here for the site. Uh, and I'm seeing this. I'm like, what? The? And then he, his chair's next to mine. He sits down and he goes, and I n- never knew that he knew I want to be in Honolulu. He uh-huh. goes, welcome to your Honolulu. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. And, and so we, we taught tennis, uh-huh. right? Uh, and I actually was, was sent over to Branchbrook Park, uh, taught tennis there at, at the uh, different parks, four different parks in Newark. Mm-hmm. When it got cold, mm-hmm. we struck a deal with the Boys and Girls Clubs in Newark. Okay. And we went and taught tennis in the gyms. Okay. And oh. that's how I began my journey with Boys and Girls Clubs. Okay. And the the... The thing was that every night, my brother was now living in Brooklyn with his uh, fiance, uh-huh. my brother Joe. So every night I'd take four stops on the train from the uh, Penn Station in Newark to Penn yep. Station in, in Manhattan and yeah. then take the trains to Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'd be getting in at like one in the morning yeah. because I would be done at six and I'd go to Brooklyn. I was it's like, I can't keep this up. Yeah. And on weekends I'm in Brooklyn and I'm hanging out with my nephew and doing all this, but it's... It's taxing, so I yeah. decided, well, wait a minute. 
the teenagers hated me. Yeah. Because we would come in and take the gym from them. Okay. Yeah. And so now they'd have to do something for two hours while we ran our program. I decided to volunteer and run the gym uh-huh. at the clubs so the teens could come back. And I loved okay. playing basketball. I was a pretty good basketball player, so I'd play ball. Right. So 9 o'clock at night when they closed, and I, I'd go home. And so I started off as a volunteer. Yeah. Nice. And then For uh, the boys and girls clubs. For the boys and girls okay. clubs. Right? Gotcha. I finished tennis yeah. and nice. stayed and, and yeah. volunteer. So, so nice. then how did you segue from... Uh, the tennis now now you're going to be coming volunteer at the boys and girls right. club how did you become full-fledged into the well, boys and girls club at, at some point i decided to get married oh okay. oh yeah right. tell so us about tell that. us about yeah. that i mean we're gonna get in let's get yeah. into that let's yeah, get into so, love so, uh, <laughs> i met magda uh when i first met her she wanted nothing to do with me wanted nothing but to hit me over the head with her racket and my racket <laughs> she still wants to though right yeah uh, <laughs> so she played tennis well, no. Okay. We, 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 the tennis program was free for Essex County residents. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So there was no charge. Mm-hmm. So we had an adult program every Tuesday and Thursday evening, six, six to eight was uh, free adult lessons or seven to nine, something like that. Yeah. And she comes in with her friend to sign up for tennis lessons. And I say to her, I said, well, are you coming here to learn to play tennis? Or you come here to get in sh- using tennis to get in shape. Yeah. She goes, what does that mean? I go, well, you should get in shape to play tennis. But if you're using tennis to get in shape, I think, you know, you're better off having sex because you could lose 1,200 calories per <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> and she wanted nothing to do with me. Oh, uh, my she was God. Disgusted. She walked away. Yeah. We had four courts. <laughs> she was always trying to get off my court. And I, I would tell the other person, yo, dude, I'm going to marry. I would tell yeah. her to marry that woman. Uh, switch with me. <laughs> and, and she would try to hit me and all that and, and we wound up uh being friends but you know mm. i'm gonna get married uh and and then uh you know my time was up okay. I, I really i really just was not into i was into tennis but not into it anymore mm-hmm. i knew i couldn't be married to have this lifestyle type thing uh things weren't going as well as i had hoped after six years in, in the tennis program yeah uh so in uh November of 93, that was it yeah. for me. And uh, I didn't know what, what my next journey was going to be, but I continued volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, and then Miss Banks, who's still at the clubs, and uh, she's just like the Medea character. She is Medea. <laughs> I always say that Tyler Perry, you know, made Medea after her. After her. Uh, she funny. told me, hey, you know, the, the club used to teach tennis at Broadway is looking for a club director. Yeah. You'd be perfect. You speak Spanish. It's in the Puerto Rican neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. and I applied for a job and started as an employee in February. Mm-hmm. First day on the job as the, the club director, I show up in the middle of a blizzard. Oh, wow. February 8th, 1994. <laughs> and at that time, at, at that club, our executive offices were there, but they were moving out. Yeah. And the executive director, Mel Knight, was there. He was like, what are you doing here? I was like, first day. And he goes, it's a blizzard. We're closed. <laughs> like, We're oh, well, I could go home. I, yeah. You know, and, and that, that became my Boys and Girls Club journey. Wow. That's uh, I, I, I like how the dots yeah, right? keep cool. connecting yeah. A, yeah. A, a, as you go along. And, and, and it's in- interesting because a quest is like that. You know, yeah. there, there's, there's moments when you, one of the things that you just mentioned was I wasn't sure what my next step was. Right. Um, but by following what you were doing already, people recognized that. But you weren't aware of it. You were, yeah. oh my God, what, are you, what am I going to yeah. do? But that just came like that. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it was funny because uh, the very next year at the U.S. Open mm-hmm. in Flushing Meadows, I go to the U.S. Open to do a tennis clinic with 
it was now the Safe Passage Foundation. Arthur had passed away. Mm. And, you know, now they have Arthur Ashe Day. So mm. I go to do a clinic. You know, I mm. take the day off from work from Boys yeah. and Girls Club on a Monday and I go do, you know, clinic with kids from Newark yeah. at the thing. So I kept involved with, That's you know, that was nice. my last real tennis thing. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, and I also said, you know, if I ever have kids of my own, you know, my daughter played. My, my daughter, she was ranked. Wow. Oh, wow. Right? I was a coach, right? Wow. Uh, so a second Puerto Rican in the... Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, if, if if I have, you know, from an early age, uh-huh. a child, you know, my son was born, he didn't want to, you know, he got into karate instead. Yeah. Really pick up tennis and I wasn't going to force him. Yeah. And I was like, if I have grandkids, you know, I'll teach them and I want to save that. I mean, it was a grind. I mean, yeah. I would never change it. If I could go back, I would do it all over again, right? Yeah. Because it led me to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And it led me to my wife and this yeah. great family I had. But, I mean, dude, those days were like, I'd get on the court at 6 in the morning practice for me. Yeah. 6 to 8, then come back, shower, eat breakfast, 9 to 5, all day long teaching. Teaching. Yeah. Kids after kids. I mean, in a six-year span, we gave over 10,000 free tennis lessons. Oh, wow. Wow. Right? We, we were grinding. Yeah. And then take a break, and then we'd have that adult program, and then oh, i yeah. go practice for myself. Because you can't teach and play the same way. No. When I'm teaching, I'm setting the ball up so you could be successful. Yeah. If I play that way, I'm going to get hammered. You're going to get hammered, yeah. And then these kids got good real quick. So yeah. now, right. we're, Thursdays, we're leaving for tournaments. Oh, wow. And so now you play a tournament, you, you're going to maximize. So I would play yeah. men's. I would play men's doubles, mixed doubles. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to win five, six hundred bucks. And yeah. You're doing all this. And then I'm coaching. So I got to play. Yeah. I got to coach. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter how many events you play. Sometimes you get 15 minutes before your next match. Well, yeah. I just played a four-hour match. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, so like, I mean, it's a grind, and, and you, you're doing this constantly. Constantly. Yeah. And we all live together. So oh, they gave us wow. housing. Uh-huh. And, and first it was the mayor's condo in downtown Newark, then the mayor's house in Irvington, New Jersey. Uh-huh. So we lived together because we were all from out of town. Yeah. Right. So it was constant tennis. It was yeah. 24, you know, 7 tennis. That which was your was, life. That was my life. Yeah. And, I, and I loved it. Yeah. You know? So... so but, there, 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 there's um, there was a lot of sacrificing. It's a, yeah. lot, a lot of sacrificing of your of your time. But how did it how did it feel? Because you were doing this and you were an automatic pilot and you did all these different things. How did it actually feel? Man, Most it, people feel that it's work. Oh my God, I'm no. working hard. How did it feel, dude, really, dude? You, you have to understand what we went through mm-hmm. and what I went through was special. I, I got to like when Arthur Ashe comes into town, I pick him up. I yeah. spent time with Arthur Ashe. I get to walk streets with Arthur Ashe, people stopping him for autographs. Yeah. yeah. Right? Those type of things. I mean, I go to Madison Square Garden, the Masters Tennis Tournament, and I'm in the tunnels. Madison yeah. Square Garden, wow. all the players, Andre Agassi, hey, what's up, Mike? You know, those type of things. I'm at the U.S. Open. So, you know, I was the coach of the youth games, which is kind of like a junior Olympics, uh-huh. uh, where they've got 14 different cities throughout the country come together. Every year they do the, the youth games. And Newark always had a team. And so I'm the tennis coach for the youth games. Wow. And... I'm a night. I'm responsible by Nike. Yeah. Head to toe Nike. I've got yeah. head tennis rackets. I'm not paying for anything. I got a company car, apartment. Wow. I should yeah. have been putting money away. I was spending money. <laughs> I was dating women and, and blowing money away. But anyway, <laughs> it was beautiful. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm with celebrities. I'm like meeting people. So I'm at the youth games in in uh, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget this. And it's in August, right before the U.S. Open, and I'm coaching. These girls come up snobbish girls and they're like why are you always wearing nike and everything what are you sponsored by them i was like yeah <laughs> and, like, ah, yeah. and they didn't believe me yeah i was like okay and they're from another team <laughs> and everything uh they were from new york's team okay actually new york's team 
So now, two weeks later, I'm at the U.S. Open. And the coolest story. I'm sitting at the, the rotunda in the front. When you walk in, they open. There's a big round thing. And I'm sitting there. Uh-huh. Arthur's sitting next to me. And I told him I worked for Arthur. Man, she was one of my mentors. You know, and yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that team walks in. Mm-hmm. Sitting there with Bob. And, you know, Arthur gets up to go everything. And then uh, they're like, hey, what are you doing here? I was like, I told you who I was. And they still didn't believe me. Right? <laughs> Out walks Andre Agassi. Oh, wow. Right? And he comes up and he goes, hey, Mike, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> and we all go, and it was some press conference, I forget what it was for, but we all, you know, Bob, Andre, Arthur, myself, Nick, wow. Monica Sellers, we all walk away. Yeah. And that they were like crazy. stunned. But I get to do those things. Yes. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm. Yeah. It's so, that experience. Dude, it wasn't work, man. It was a party. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a party. We had a blast. I mean, Good. Yeah. it was Man, I mean, yeah. we did cool stuff. We go Davis Cup matches. Yeah, you know, we were doing some and all that stuff. All that times. happened because of a chance meeting of you going as a young kid looking yeah. for a job. Yeah, yeah. literally, just literally. taking that initiative. Yeah, that's because if you had never done that, nope. you would have probably never even met. Because this guy. there's other people. No, no, because you a lot met. of lot of us teenagers worked at Terramar Tennis Academy. Uh-huh. But I went there as a like eleven or twelve, whatever age mm-hmm. I was, mm-hmm. before I was legally allowed to work. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the connection. But a lot of folks went through. Rolo worked over there with me. Alex worked over there with me. Uh-huh. Uh, Eric Perez worked okay. over there. That that was a place in town to go work summer job. You know, okay. Okay. He would bring up kids from Harlem that were on scholarship to get away from the the urban environment. Gotcha. The foot of the Catskill Mountains to you know two weeks of tennis camp with this world renowned mm-hmm. tennis coach and Bob. Yeah. And you know, it was a camp sleepover it's camp. Si- so similar to what uh, Omar yeah. did because he, as a young, you know, right. young adult, boy scout, a, a child actually, he became the boy scout. And then he was like, Ken put them in charge and he was a leader and then they were traveling and doing stuff. I mean, it's not necessarily the same right. magnitude, so to speak, but it's the same yeah. concept. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, but it was just a person, a person Ex- decided to yeah. take that chance. Exactly. And, take that ch- and, yeah. and so, yeah, that's the just, cool part is that know, just luck of the draw, man. Right. You know, like I always say, like, don't call me luck if I win, you know, mega millions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually playing to try yeah, to win. Try to win. Right. Yeah, yeah. If I walk out your house <laughs> and I'm driving home and I see a lottery ticket floating in the air and I stop and grab and it. And then you grab it. Yeah. And then I go, you oh, I that. won two million. I was like, that's luck. Just think about us when you do that. No, uh, yeah, who? No. <laughs> <laughs> let me let, let me ask you this because this is pretty interesting now that you're going going into an institution like the boys and girls club uh you had this experience with bob uh you have all these experiences that from meeting him uh through everything that opened up for you and now you are in an institution that 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 really epitomizes um, what what Bob is? I mean, right. can you tell us a, tell us about that stage in your life? I know that it's been uh, thirty plus years. I mean, it was it was just next step. Uh-huh. It was just like a smooth transition because we had celebrities at the clubs now. Uh-huh. So not something I'm not. I bet you know Mike Tyson wins the heavyweight title. He he tours the boys and girls clubs in North. Wow, yeah, right? really? Yeah. Right. So oh. I didn't get to meet Mike Tyson, right? But actually, I was his uh sister-in-law's coach Stephanie Givens so I knew Robin Givens from up in Tamar Tennis Academy like but now I'm like Tyson's walking through the club you know Bob hundreds of you know people and I'm I'm there yeah Uh, I actually 
got a picture with Buster Douglas after he knocked out Mike Tyson. <laughs> and it's a funny story because, like, years later, I'm at a high school, and the assistant principal has the picture of me, Buster Douglas, and him. <laughs> right? And so I'm meeting, and it's behind his desk because he's not seeing it. And he's like, wow, I know you from somewhere. And I'm smiling. I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, huh? And I go, and he turns around and goes, oh, my goodness. I've been wondering who was in that picture with me. Oh, like that's hilarious. President George Bush. I was yes. at the club when he came through. Really? So it was a continuation. Boys and Girls Club in Newark was huge. Yeah. Wow, I didn't it's one know of the that. Big Shaq. I know you have a Shaq picture with Shaq. Club. That yeah. was one of the biggest clubs you said just it now? It was one of the, the most renowned national clubs. The yeah. awards that were we won. And wow. That club was like half. And you were the director of this club? Uh, no, well, the whole organization okay. was that way. But okay. At, okay. You know, director at the club. So wow. Shaquille O'Neal was a club member. Boys and Girls from Newark. Yes. Queen, Queen he Latifa. was big on that. Yeah. Queen Latifah Latifa was there. Yeah, I knew yeah. so, that. Like, yep. then I was a club director and then I became. So I got a company. It was a real estate company that redoes office buildings. Uh-huh. Right. And they had a job fair with the kids about careers in real estate. Mm-hmm. So from, from marketing to you know, real estate agents to construction. So we did this thing with the teens. The entire industry. And wow. 286 computers. That's what I'm talking about, right? This is 1996. Mm-hmm. And they say, hey, Mike, we want to come to your club. We want to take one of the rooms upstairs, convert it into a, a tech center. You down? I was oh. like, let's do it. Yep. Yeah. Then the organization says, Mike, we want you to be director of technology. I didn't know anything about technology. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we got those computers donated. I quickly learned about technology mm-hmm. and created a membership database from scratch. Nice. Wow. I, I really? could be filthy rich. Yeah. And we ran it with, with a, uh, Microsoft Access. And I learned. Then they did that, and I, and I went to school. I went to New Horizons Computer Learning Center for 18 months and uh-huh. got my Microsoft certifications. Oh, wow. And got into okay. it. And then Shaq uh, comes to Newark. And he goes to the South Ward Boys and Girls Club, which was he was a club member. Uh-huh. But it was no longer a Boys and Girls Club because uh-huh. uh, I, I walked out of that club uh, during my tennis days. Yeah, into to the middle of shootouts. Oh, really? Yeah. It was no. real oh, bad. Wow. It was very unsafe club, so they had to close. Wow. It was unsafe oh, wow. yeah. for okay. kids and for staff. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he okay. went back, and it's still it's etched in stone. Boys Club above the front door. <laughs> wow. And so he thought he was donating to his boys club that he yeah. grew up in. Yeah. And. During the press conference, they put him in a broom closet. <laughs> literally. Literally in a broom closet. Really? And he was pissed. He was like, I'll never donate to Boys and Girls Club again. How could they do that? And they were like, yo, dude, that's not a Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. That's a city of Newark rec center. Yeah. Uh, he goes, what? Where's my club? It got connected. So the West Side Club, where his club director, Trevor Strigler, was a friend of mine, mm-hmm. was director. Mm-hmm. He came back. He did. Now he's with the Lakers. He did a jungle gym playground right. set, purple right. and gold. Wow. <laughs> he built a tennis court in the back because he heard that they had a former tennis pro on staff wow. that taught tennis to the kids. He did a tennis court. He did an outdoor basketball court right outside of that. Uh-huh. He redid the, the, the field so they could have a, a little ball field for uh, little league baseball and softball. Uh-huh. And he, he, he comes in to do the press conference to announce this. And only Shaq could see this. We had, so I had gotten my original club, the Tech Center, set up. Now I'm, I'm building Tech Centers, the other ones. And AT&T donated these old computers, which was this big, bulky uh-huh. boxes, the boxes. Yeah. With, with, with the old facsimile paper that comes out the back. Oh, oh my wow. God. Wow. So, so the room, what is it? MS-DOS? Yes. So the room. No that mice. We, or what is it? Mice, right? Yeah, or mouses? Yeah, or yeah. whatever. So the room we're, we're converting into that, there was a sofa. I pulled a sofa 
mm-hmm. as far back in the room as possible mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. put these six machines behind it. Shaq peeks in. He's the only one tall enough to see over the sofa mm-hmm. from across the room. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what is that back there? What are you trying to hide? <laughs> and he comes, and then he made the decision to donate a million dollars to Boys and Girls Club wow. America wow. to start the Club Tech program. Really? He said, I do that as long as Newark gets two tech centers. Well, that gives me chills. Yeah. And so, <laughs> That's pretty so cool. It was like, I'm living wow. this charmed life because yeah. I'm like doing things. I'm, yeah. You know, we're doing that. And as, uh, I was VP of program services, natural transgression, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. advancing my career. Yeah. Boys and Girls Club America used to do a, a president's dinner at the Waldorf Astoria. Wow. So we had kids. We had a DJ program, female <laughs> DJ instructor, uh, That's DJ awesome. Lazy K. Nice. We were the DJs for the red carpet. Really? For all the guests coming in. That is cool. So, and there was two rooms. There was, when you walk in the hallway, red carpet, room A and room B. Right. Yeah. And different music. But we we were the paparazzi. So my kids for the tech <laughs> program were the photographers, the videographers. That is doing the interviews. So it was like everything I was doing in tennis with famous people and all that. It just segwayed into doing right it. Into, yeah. I mean, we went to go meet with Goldie Hawn. Wow. To do a yoga program. I meet Kate Hudson when she was dating Alex Rodriguez. Really? <laughs> yeah. Walk in. She goes, hi, I'm Kate Hudson. I'm, I'm uh, Goldie's daughter. I was like, I know who you are. You're <laughs> dating my favorite player, crazy. A-Rod. She's like, oh, oh he's, he's on his way. Uh, you want to meet him? I was like, yeah, I'd love to meet him. I didn't, I didn't get to meet him. Oh, okay. You know, he I'm didn't like, come up. I was, but, but that's what we were doing in Newark. So it was like, wow. it was just like tennis. You know, my tennis days. It was interesting. It was cool. That is really cool. Tell us about, because uh, along the lines, uh, and again, those are the, um, I mean, I know about the stories and, and all, all your achievements and things like that. But you, when we talk, you talk a lot about the relationships that you have built with both club members and your club staff. Uh, can you talk about some of those people? Nope. Um I don't have their permission. No, I can't. <laughs> no names. No, no names. names. <laughs> but I mean, but you can share names because uh, personally, since I know um, uh, a lot of the things, uh, or the, the big, the big things that you have accomplished, uh, we always end up going back and talking about the the individuals and the kids and yeah. uh, and the staff. I mean, it, being at the Boys and Girls Club in Newark. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had this great experience at Tamar Tennis Academy Tennis. I'd put the Boys and Girls Club of Newark experience above that mm-hmm. because that's part of my tennis experience as well because I taught tennis in the gyms. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these these are individuals that it was such a tight-knit family because the Boys and Girls Club of Newark was always doing big things but always had budget issues. Yeah. Small, mm-hmm. you know, three-unit organization. Yeah. Constant turnover. When I was involved from volunteerism all the way through until I moved to Martin County, I went through 17 CEOs oh. in like uh, 22 years. 22 yeah. years, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, like did. one every year. Six months, just sometimes about, yeah. six months. And, and wow. so we became very close-knit. I mean, so yeah. so you look at it, Miss Banks is still there. Miss Code, her right-hand person, mm-hmm. uh, she's still there. Mm-hmm. And then you had like Amir Washington, who is now the CEO. Mm-hmm. I taught him tennis at Jesse Allen Park behind the Boys and Girls Club <laughs> that he went to. Wow. At at the age of six. He is now the CEO. Yeah. Felix Rouse, who hated me as a teenager, I didn't even know him. (laughs) He goes off to college. They hire him as my program director when I'm club director. Don't tell me about it. I get stuck with the golden child. (laughs) He was National Youth of the Year runner. He's one of my closest friends. Really? Yeah. So it was was funny because I got pissed. I got a heated argument with Miss Banks, and I was like, 
I don't interview the guy. She was like, no, he's used to the year. And so we had a staff meeting on Friday. Mm. We, we were open Tuesday through Saturday, so off Monday. We had another staff meeting planned for summer on Tuesday at my club. I'm hosting. Felix's first day at work, he walks in 15 minutes late. <laughs> I'm fuming. I'm like, I get stuck with the golden child. And he walks in here late and Miss Banks doesn't say anything to him. Like, okay. <laughs> Meeting's over. I'm like, hey, Felix, you know, I'm Mike. And you're like, yeah, can we meet? I was like, yeah, we need to meet. And we go and he goes, can I speak first? I said, sure. And he goes, I know you don't like me and that you're upset. I was like, whoa, 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 time out. I don't even know you. So to, for you to say, yeah. I don't like you, don't don't start. Because I won't like you if that's your attitude. And mm -hmm. he was like, I asked him to interview with you. I want to make sure we were a good fit. I, yeah. I told him they were wrong. I said, I'm not mad at you. I don't know you. I said, I am upset about one thing, and I'll get to that. But I said, you were thrust on me. Mm -hmm. I said, I took your packet home. I would have hired you on the spot had they given me the packet. Right. Yeah. You are beyond the candidate. I'm looking at you to replace me as the director here when I move up. Mm -hmm. Right. He's like, oh, really? I was like, now what I'm upset about is that you were 15 minutes late to work today. <laughs> yeah. That can't happen again. Yeah. And we had a great conversation. Uh -huh. It's, you know, and like Magda knows this. So we work to nine o'clock. Our schedule is one to nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's around eight o'clock. And we're, we're talking. And, and I said, uh, yo, Felix, what are you doing for dinner? He goes, I have no idea. Probably not going to eat. What? Yeah. And he said, I just graduated from the University of Pennsylvania. I spent my last dime moving back here to Newark to take this job. Yeah. I was late because I didn't have money to catch the bus. I had to walk. Oh, wow. I don't have food. Yeah. I said, hold on one second. Pick up the phone. I said, hey, hun, set another uh, plate at the table for Felix. He's going to have dinner. What? I was like, I'll explain later. Yeah. And I said, Felix, you come home dinner with me. So I fed him all week long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I brought him lunch and everything. And we, we friends. I mean, I was, you know, a groomsman at his wedding and everything. He's a friend of mine. And. Wow. Uh, we mentored together Daquan. So Amir, Felix, and I mentored Daquan. Uh, d d everybody, Trevor Strigler, who was a club director, is still a friend of mine. Dave uh -huh. Green, who ran uh, world-famous uh, world champion Flip City Tumblers, friends of mine. Wow. D d we were a close-knit group. We hung together because we went through so much together. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were times where all of us didn't know if we were going to have a job because yeah. struggling to meet payroll. Correct. Right? Yeah. And, we, and we, they never miss payroll. But we late nights to midnight doing youth of the year paperwork together, yeah. you know, because the new folks didn't know how to do it. And yeah, we were, it, it was a, a family. It was really. And for me that to see that and from my childhood, not having that. Yeah. I gravitate to people like Omar and I type because I gravitate to people like that. that yeah. You know, uh, once I get a connection. Yeah. It's yeah. you got to really do something horrible for me to break that. Yeah, I, I yeah. can see that with. Yeah, that you're a lot like he is, or maybe you're like he is. He's older than I am. Oh, okay, yeah. so you're I like. I don't have to go there. <laughs> yeah, why did he go there? He's got a little gray in his beard too. So hey, you know, like, I got a, I got a lot, of, a lot to catch up. Um, this is called wisdom. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's sophistication. That's what the kids tell me. <laughs>